Welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. Are you ready to get into it? I want to get into the Word today because I think it's truly one that the vast majority of believers struggle with. I think it's just a topic that's very, very sensitive, and I want to try to handle it in a very sensitive way this morning. Because I had planned on, based on last week's message, when we were talking about seeing in the spirit, I'd planned on moving into the angelic realm and then doing a week on the demonic realm so we could see those. But then I made a comment last week. And because I made this comment last week, I got all kind of feedback and I got emails and I got texts and that's all good. I'm fine with that. This was the comment I made. I said, if you're banging out that same prayer every single day, you're telling God that you don't have faith that he answers prayers. Oh, tough subject. And if you'll also remember, I said last week, those are hard words. Those are hard words because today we're gonna tackle the topic of repetitive prayers. Are we called to repeat prayer over and over. And I want to start with this disclaimer. There are difficult subjects going on in your life. Some of you have children that are far from the Lord. Some of you have disease going on, something that the doctor has diagnosed. Some of you have financial issues and they've been going, some of you have relation problems. And I don't want to make light of those in any way. Those are tough, hard problems. But I want to encourage you today about how the word says we pray for those things. And so I want to talk a little bit about should we be repetitively praying things? And and the only way I know how to address this topic is to start by saying, how did we get that idea? What makes us believe that we should pray the same thing every day or pray the same thing over and over? Why do we do that? What is our line of thinking? What was the approach that got us into it? And if I ask most people, they'll go to scripture for it. And I think that's beautiful. And here's the scripture they'll use. They'll talk about the parable of the persistent widow. We're gonna address that today. They talk about the friend who is asking for bread at night. We're gonna address that today. They'll use scriptures like this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing and everything gives thanks for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. They'll use scriptures like Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation devoted to prayer. They'll use scriptures like Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And for some, They'll say, wasn't that what the Lord's prayer was about? That we would have a prayer that we could repetitively pray. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So that's a prayer we're supposed to pray over, right? Now hear me out before I get started. I'm not in any way trying to discourage prayer. I think what I want to do is look at prayer being effective and you knowing that it's effective and how do I approach it for the purpose of it being effective because I believe we should pray something every time the Spirit leads us to pray. So being persistent, being constant in prayer is not constantly saying the same prayer. It's knowing that I got to pray about everything. 
I gotta pray about what I'm wearing today. What a goofy looking jacket. I gotta, I gotta pray about who I'm supposed to talk to today. I gotta pray about whether I'm supposed to give this person some financial help. I gotta pray about whether or not I should make friends with that person. I gotta pray for discernment based on what's going on in my workplace. But my concern is that there is a Christian mentality that praying every day for the same thing is somehow godly. Stay with me please all the way to the end. So if we don't see the answer to our prayer, do we just keep asking for that thing over and over? Because listen, it'll shake your faith. Shake your faith when you're praying for something and the answer doesn't come. It rocks us. It rocks us to the core because the first thing we begin to wonder is, God, did you hear? God, do you know? God, are you gonna do anything because I'm asking and it hasn't come to pass and so we're being taught, well, go ask again and go ask again and go ask again. So let's look at that first parable of the persistent widow because I think this is the most obvious one that people use for a scriptural basis. We're in Luke chapter 18, verse one. Now he, that's Jesus, was telling them, his disciples, a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Sounds like we're supposed to pray all the time and not lose heart. Eventually God will hear, eventually God will do something about it. Saying, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I don't fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I'm gonna give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she's gonna wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for those elect that cry to him day and night? He will delay, and will he delay over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So there it is. There's the story about going to the judge and asking over and over and over until the judge finally says, she's gonna wear me out, so I've gotta do something. Now listen, this is what we do in this parable. We start assigning who the characters are. We're the widow, right? We're the one that's going before the judge, asking over and over, and guess what? You know who the judge is? We call that God, the one who grants the answer to prayer. So I gotta go and persistently go. So I wanna start by looking at a description in the scripture of that judge. That judge, a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Sounds just like our God, doesn't it? I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she's gonna wear me out. Our God can get worn out, can he? Our God gets tired. Our God gets exhausted. And if you believe that's what this parable is about, then telling us to be persistent in prayer means that God is telling us as his children that he is like the unrighteous judge. He's telling us that he has no respect for man. He's telling us that he wants us to ask him, catch this, until we wear him out. He's telling us that at some point, he will get worn out and he will give in an answer. And God is telling us that the way we do it is to keep asking over and over and over because that's what the persistent widow did. And by the way, God would be teaching us if we believe that's what this parable is about 
that that's the way he wants his relationship with his children. He wants it to operate this way. Whatever you want, you start asking me and you keep asking me. And eventually when I get tired of you asking me, I'll answer you. Does that make any sense for the God that we know? So something's wrong with our interpretation. We gotta go back and get some context to start with because context is king in scripture. Find out what we're actually talking about. It's a, it's a little bit longer of a read. You gotta go back a chapter into Luke 17 and start in 22 and read through 37. Jesus is actually talking about his return. And he said to his disciples, the days will come when you long to see me and the days of the son of man, but you will not see it. And then he goes on to make these points. First, Jesus says, I have to suffer and be rejected by this generation. Then things will end up like they were in the days of Noah and Lot. Oh, but by the way, there will come a day when one will be taken and one will be left. Then he tells this parable. So let's reread his explanation of what this parable is about. It's in verse six, we read it. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long after them? How many of you know what a rhetorical question is? It means it's not an actual question. He's trying to make a point by putting it in a question form. He's saying, do you really think that God will not bring about justice and that he will delay answering his elect? It's a rhetorical question. Keep reading verse eight. I tell you that he, God, will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So our topic is the return of Jesus. Luke 18, 1, he was telling them apparel to show them all times how they ought to pray and not lose heart. Listen to me. We connect not lose heart to pray, but he's not talking about prayer and not losing heart. He's talking about his return. He says, don't lose heart. I'm going to return. Pray for the return of Jesus, but don't lose heart that he hasn't come back yet. So for the question of the day is, is he saying, pray every day for Jesus? Jesus to return. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, do we pray every day for Jesus to return? Sure. Is it going to make one day difference on when he comes back? No. That's set by the Father. Jesus doesn't even know when that's going to happen, but he's going to come back. So what's Jesus trying to say in this parable? He's comparing a worst case scenario to a best case scenario. I want you to hear me out what I'm saying. The unrighteous judge is the worst case scenario. The judge that does not care about the widow, therefore she has to persist. But verse six through eight, hear what the unrighteous said, judge said. Do you hear what he said? He said, she keeps coming to me and she's gonna wear me out, so I'm gonna do it. Now, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry day and night? Will he, will God delay long over his elect? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's reflective of the fact that he's coming back. So let me read it in a way that it makes sense to us. Now that you've just heard about the unrighteous judge and how he handles things, God is not like that judge. God will bring justice for his elect quickly. 
He will not make you persist over and over and over. Look at verse eight. I tell you, he will bring about it for them quickly. Everybody say quickly. I know what you're thinking. Well, if it brings about it quickly, why haven't I got my answer? We're gonna talk about that in a minute. It's a straight up comparison between a judge who is wicked and unrighteous and creates delay and a God who handles things for his children quickly. The bottom line is the parable is not about the fact, uh, is about the fact that we don't have to ask over and over until we annoy God because he loves us and he will answer quickly. So let's look at another parable on the same subject and see if we have that same problem with that parable. It's in Luke 11. It's the one about the bread and coming at night. But you got to back all the way up to verse one to figure out what he's talking about. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, teach us, Lord, how to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, pray this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I don't know if you just saw the similarity to the other parable. Jesus is teaching about prayer. He's about to teach about prayer and use a parable. Jesus said the kingdom needs to come and notice that he was talking about bread the provision of bread. Now watch the next verse as he makes a parable about praying. This is the explanation of the Lord's prayer. Then he said to him, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has come from a long journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and said, do not bother me. That's what God does. The door has already been shut and my children are, I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now watch eight. Christians, watch eight. I tell you, even though he will not give a, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now remember, he said, when you pray, ask God daily for bread. So here we go. If we think this is about being persistent in prayer, this parable is, then when we pray at night, we need to remember God is tired and he's already gone to bed. That's what the parable said. And if you ask God for something, he's going to reply if you ask him at night, don't bother me. Don't bother me. It's not a good time for you to pray. And next he will say, hey, heaven is already shut up and the angels are sleeping. And then he's gonna say, I can't get up for you. I can't give you anything. But if you keep bugging him long enough, God will get up. He'll probably have to wake some of the angels up. They'll have to go get some bread. They'll probably bring it to you. So obviously God wants us to beg for what we want. The continual persistence somehow pleases God and he will wake up and give us what we need. Does the, any of that sound like God to you? No, we're getting the parable wrong. We're thinking it's about being persistent to get bread. And he's saying, God is not like this. So what does it mean? There's the contrast of the friend. You got earthly friends. Guess what? They don't respond to you like God does. In the next verse, you guys have heard this verse over and over and over and didn't even realize it was part of the parable. 
The next verse, after you have gone to your friend's house, you said, I need bread, I need bread, I need bread. And he said, I'm asleep, my kids are asleep, the door's locked, I'm not getting up, go away. I need bread, I need bread, I need bread. Listen, I'm not gonna do it, I can't give you anything. I need bread, I need bread, I need bread. Okay, I'll give you some bread. That's how God is. Then you look at the next verse. So, so, if you have a friend that's like that, so I say to you, ask many, many times, and it will be given to you, eventually. Seek many, many times, and you will find, if you persist. Knock many, many times, and it will be open to you once God is annoyed with you. No, it says, so I say to you, this neighbor doesn't wanna help you, but with God, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be open. It's a compare and contrast, not this is how we should pray. He's saying God isn't that way. And I don't know if you see it, but he did not say ask over and over and over, knock over and over and over, seek over and over and over. So I'm gonna go with one final scripture. This got used on me this week. This week, somebody heard the comment I made. I was down in West Palm and somebody heard the comment I made and said, but what about this verse, pastor? Okay, let's go look at it. Daniel chapter 10. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I didn't eat any tasty food, nor meat, nor wine, nor nor did I use any ointment all of the entire three weeks until they were completed. Then on the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of gold, a euphaz. The body was also like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms uh, and feet like the gleam upon a polished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sound of atonement. I don't know about you, but I'm already scared. I'm like, I don't want to be you, Daniel. You've been asking for something and this guy shows up. But Daniel prayed for three weeks, right? He had to pray for three weeks before this guy shows up. Three weeks of prayer, three weeks of being persistent, three weeks of being devoted to prayer, three weeks of being diligent, three weeks. But look at what the angel said who came in answer to his prayer. Verse 12, then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day, everybody say first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God. Your words were heard. And I've come in response to those words. From the day you started praying, God heard your prayer. From the day you started praying, God dispatched an angel to you. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, I'm not gonna go into it today, but that's demonic. That's a territory demon. The kingdom of Persia with withstanding me, the angel said, for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, you know the archangel Michael, one of the chief princes came and helped me for I had been left there with the king of Persia. Daniel prays for three weeks. The angel is dispatched on the first day. In other words, hear me please closely. Daniel did not know why the answer was taking three weeks. But, but, but his prayer was answered on the first day. 
but he had no idea why three weeks later. Oh, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. Listen, I cannot find theology or doctrine in Scripture that God wants His children to ask and ask and ask and ask the same thing over and over and that there's some kind of virtue in repetitive begging. Ooh, that'll end up on Facebook. If you believe he wants persistence in the same prayer over and over, then God is just setting us up because he knows our prayers aren't gonna be answered quickly, even though he said he would. God is wanting his children to show submission by begging. God is showing us that he's too busy unless we annoy him. And if we annoy him, then he will answer. See, there's a big difference between being constant in prayer and having a persistent prayer. Constant in prayer is who we're called as believers. Do you want to go into your day without the Holy Spirit? Then you've got to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. What are we doing today? What's my focus today? What should be my attitude? Hey, I had this dream. It kind of scared me. Can you give me some comfort in that so I can move forward? I've got to be constant in prayer with the Spirit, but not persistent in a repetitive prayer. Pray without ceasing is talking about praying in everything you do, not praying the same thing over and over and over. So can we just get real for a moment? Why do our prayers seem not to get answered quickly by our Heavenly Father? That's the, that's the big question. I'm, I'm telling you, I could ask for a show of hands and my guess is every person in this auditorium would raise their hand and say, man, I have prayed and not had a clue why the answer didn't come and I don't know, but it started getting to me and started shaking my faith. I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna drop one. Um, we call them Michael, Mike Delafave bombs. I'm gonna make one statement. I'm gonna get you to chew on it at home. One of the problems with believers is we pray in hope and not in faith. We're praying in hope and not in faith. How do I know the difference? Because praying in hope says, God, will you do something about this? I'm hoping that you're gonna fix this. Will you do something about it? What happens when a prayer of faith is laid out there? I have prayed my prayer of faith. Now I'm gonna begin thanking God for that answer. It's coming, it's here, it's gonna happen, I know it. That's a big difference. But let me give you several reasons why I think our prayers don't get answered. First, he does, we just don't like the answer. Have you ever been told no by your parents and then you ask them again? You know what my dad would say? What did I just tell you, son? You know what that said to me? Don't ask again. It's gonna get worse. Our inability to accept a no shows a lack of trust in God and an immaturity in our faith. Oh, come on, Chuck. He's our father. He created us, he knows what's best for us. So when he says no, that's the best answer. You may not understand why that's the best answer. You may not like that answer. You can go ahead and throw a temper tantrum, but if you were like my dad, if you threw a temper tantrum, then you had no shot of ever getting what you were asking for. We gotta be able to pray and understand God said no. Not now, 
Number two, I think God does answer. We just haven't caught up with the answer. This is huge. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. When I learned this, it changed my prayer life. The dreaded wait answer. The dreaded wait answer. How many of you gotten wait before in your prayer? Just wait. I'll get it to you. Not now, but it'll come. Why do we tell our children to wait for something? Because now is not the best time for it. And you need to wait. There are reasons why another time is better for me to answer that. We don't want to give you a quick fix, but a good solid solution. And therefore you need to, by the way, have you ever considered this, that a wait answer from God is a yes? You've asked, he says, not now. You should say, got it, got it. My finances are gonna be a mess for another 60 days, but then they're gonna be good. Maybe when we get a wait, we should stop whining. Matthew 6, 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition, boom, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Two points I wanna make out of this, because I don't want you to go use it out of context. One, this is the only place in our entire Bible where the term meaningless repetition is used. We have nothing else to compare it to to see how God used that in other places. But if you go into the Greek and look at the term meaningless repetition, it's one word and it means to repeat the same thing over and over using many idle words. Here's what we don't know. We don't know if the Gentiles were repeating phrases over and over and over in their prayer or when they prayed, they were repeating the same prayer over and over. I don't know. So I'm not gonna use this scripture for this argument today in the stance of repetitive, meaningless prayer. But since I don't know, I can only infer that the problem is that there's a lack of conviction in what's being asked for. Oh, you didn't hear me. No real heart in it just saying something over and over, whether it's inside one prayer or a prayer said over and over. I don't know what he's talking about, but it has to, in either case, mean I'm praying something over and over without conviction or faith that it's actually going to happen. What is faith? The conviction. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. How many of you sit back and say, well, I prayed, but I wasn't righteous this week, so my prayer is not gonna go anywhere. I got news for you. You can't make yourself righteous. Christ does that. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your savior, he gave you a robe of righteousness. So the prayer of a believer availeth much. It's not talking about what you did that week. It's talking about whether your status before God is righteous. I'm busting some bubbles this morning. I don't necessarily think that this is what people are doing when they pray the same things over and over, but I'm just saying it's a warning to all of us to remember we are righteous and our prayers can accomplish much 
even if we don't understand the delay and the answer. But number two, on the second half of that, boy, this will bust your bubble. God is timeless and he knows what you need before you ask. Isn't that discouraging? Why should I ask? God, if you already know what I need, why do I need to ask you? Because the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish. See, God knows what I need before I ask him. And he can give me my answer in my future. What happens between here when I ask and God knew and here when the answer comes? This distance right here, this is called faith. It's called faith, not hope. It's called faith. My faith is how long do I believe that that answer's on its way? Do I pray and if I don't get it by the end of the day, I'm discouraged? Do I pray and if it doesn't happen by the end of the year, I'm discouraged? Or do I pray and believe that God has answered? I just haven't caught up with his answer yet. Number three, he does answer, but listen, you gotta ask for the right things. If I went to my dad and said, I need a bag of marijuana. I love my dad. He died when I was 26 years old. I have an older brother, he's 18 months older than me. We always got in trouble together. You know, mom said, go to your room, dad will come home and he'll take care of this. My dad was a machinist. And I don't know if you remember those chrome uh, chain key holder things like janitors use. He wore one of those all the time. And when we had to go to the bedroom and, and dad came home and he addressed what, what our deficiency was. My brother and I would argue and fight and give every excuse we could until my dad would take that off and put it in his pocket. That was the signal that the belt was coming off. At that point, there's no reason to argue anymore. He's already made his decision. Let's get this thing over with. Maybe we gotta ask God for the right things. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence which I have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. And people are like, what do you mean in his will? How am I supposed to know his will? It's called a Bible. You wanna know the will of God, it's in the word. What do I mean by that? In his word, does he say he wants you healed? then I don't have to ask him, is it in your will to heal me? It is in your will to heal me. So I'm gonna ask for that healing. If it doesn't come till next Tuesday, I'm gonna take Advil till Tuesday. <laughs> James 4, 3, you ask and you don't receive because, huge, because you ask with the wrong motives so you can spend it on your pleasures. I don't even know if I want to go here. I have a body and I have a soul. 
and they love what's good for them. They love the desires of the flesh. They love anything that makes it good and makes me happy and makes me all right. And then I have a spirit that's indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God, that Bible, this thing is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can divide the soul and the spirit. So when I'm trying to figure out if my motives are correct, I go to the Word of God and say, is my heart right? Am I asking for the right things? And the Spirit will reveal through the Scripture, your motives are wrong. You're wanting that big promotion because you want an upgraded Harley. That hit at home right there, buddy. Ouch. I gotta be honest, I've heard people say, I prayed over and over because God says if people will come into agreement and we can ask anything we want, and I got a buddy of mine to say, I'm gonna have a BMW in the driveway in the morning. And it wasn't there. Just being honest here. Most of the time when we pray, we're self-centered people. And I'm gonna give you permission, it's okay. It's okay because you think you're working out God's love for you and what he wants for you, and that's a good thing. But typically, we want him to provide what we want, but it's not always what is best for us. We want him to provide what makes things easy for me, not what brings about my maturity. There should have been some oh my's there. Let me say that again. We want him to provide what makes things easy and not what brings maturity. I want the fish. I do not want to learn how to fish. Just give me the fish. We want him to provide. Hang on. We want him to provide quick fixes to the problems we created. We want a quick fix from God for the problems we created. I can't tell you how many people I have counseled when it comes to finances. I don't want to go there, I don't have time. Maybe he needs to teach you how to handle your finances. Maybe he needs to teach you how to handle your health. Maybe he needs to teach you how to handle the Word of God instead of giving you revelation because you don't want to read the Scripture. He's a good Father. He will give you what you need, which is not necessarily what you want. Number four. This is my last point. We'll get out of here. He does answer when we ask in faith and not in hope. Mark 11, 23, 25. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Can I be honest? Is it not difficult to believe that you can move a mountain? Because the first thing that comes to me is, did it happen? Did it happen? 
but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they'll be granted to you. Whatever you stand praying, whenever you stand praying, though, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. I don't know if you saw the condition on prayer. Don't doubt. That's hard. I'm telling you as a pastor, sometimes it's hard for me to pray in faith because sometimes I've prayed for things and I haven't seen them come to pass yet, so I don't know if I'm praying correctly. So the next time I pray for that, I wonder, am I praying correctly? Do I have the right motives if this is gonna happen? I doubt, believe, not I hope this is gonna come to pass. God will take care of this. God will take care of this. Three, forgive others. Oh, ouch. You just made it hard. God, you don't know what they did. Yes, I do. If you're struggling with forgiveness, I'm going to tell you something that's just going to blow your mind. Forgiveness is all about you. What do I mean by that? It's not about them repenting. It's not about them saying they're sorry. It's not about you telling them, I forgive you. It's about you releasing them so that you don't carry the burden of anger and frustration. Can you forgive anybody? Yes, even your dad. Yes, even that neighbor. Yes, even your boss. Why? Because it's not contingent on what they're going to do or have done. It's contingent on whether or not you will release carrying the burden. What did Christ do at the cross? He took the burden so you don't have to. He forgave. He released it in death. And he's saying to you, let go. Stop holding it again. Oh, do you know that the only one who's suffering because you won't forgive them is you? They're not suffering. Listen to me, ladies. They love their new wife. They're not going to call you up and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I had that affair. You're going to have to say, you know what? I just release him. I forgive him. He'll be before God for that and not before me. Whew, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to close. So if you're asking. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, you do. If you're asking the same thing over and over, just stop and ask yourself, why? Why am I asking for it over and over? I cannot find anywhere in scripture that God says, ask me over and over and over, and eventually I'll do it. So why are you doing that? Is it because I'm asking something wrong? Is it because he's told me, wait? Is it because I don't have the right motives? Is it because I think by annoying him, he will eventually will? Because none of that's in scripture. 
God will answer quickly. You may not see the answer quickly, but God will answer quickly at Frank Frank. God is your father. He wants a great relationship with you. He wants what is best for you, even though you don't know what is best. His plans and purposes and destinies are for you. He is saying, come to me. Let's talk often. I have no desire to frustrate you. Did God not actually put in scripture, fathers don't exacerbate your children? Then why would he be doing it to us as his children? Ask and it will be answered quickly and trust that you have that answer. You don't have to beg. All begging does is destroy your faith. What if you said, I have laid this at the throne of God. God knows what is best. He knows my heart. He knows why I ask. So I'm going to leave it to him and I'm going to get on with my day. I'm going to move forward. I'm not saying never pray for it again. I think there are times, somebody called me this week and said, but what if somebody is sick and they haven't been healed? Well, if you have asked for God to heal them and, and, and he's going to do that, then it's done. Well, should I stop praying every day? Maybe not. Maybe tomorrow pray for her, that person's spouse that they would be comforted in this tough time. Maybe pray for the doctors and their wisdom for what they're suggesting. Maybe pray for an increase in spiritual awareness so I would know what to do and not to do in the medical walk. Maybe pray over their finances. Maybe pray what you can say to them, do to them, help them. Maybe there are things you can pray, but I don't have to pray every day. God heal them, 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 God heal them. Prayer's hard. It's all contingent on whether or not we trust God. And he has said, you don't have to ask me over and over. I answer quickly. Can I accept that? Can I live with the fact that he's answered quickly even when I haven't seen the answer? And can I go on without feeling like, dad, I need, 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 dad, I need. Because one day dad will say, fine, I'll give it to you. That's not your God. He loves you. He's answered you. Stand to your feet, please. I'll ask my altar ministers to come forward. Maybe you're struggling with prayer right now. Guys, thank you for being down front. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to clear the way for our altar ministers now. But I appreciate what you guys did in our environment and changed it. You're awesome. So here we go. Maybe you've got a prayer you're struggling with. Maybe it's time for you to just go to somebody else and say, I want to pray for this one time right now. I want to agree that God wants to do this. And when I leave this church today, I'm going to trust God that he's going to do something about it. And I'm going to stop bugging him every day. Now, listen to me. I'm a father. Many of you are. Your kids don't bug you. You just got to stop every once in a while, explain to them how it works so they'll stop doing that annoying thing. It's a hard topic. It's a hard topic. Not trying to discourage your prayer, not trying to say prayer doesn't work, trying to say, trust God when you pray. He answers quickly. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just declare that we trust you. We want what you want. We want it when you want it. We want it how you want it. We don't want it if you don't want it for us. But you have said, when your children come to you, you're not like an unrighteous judge or an annoyed friend. You're like a father who answers quickly. Allow us to trust in your quick answer. In Jesus' name, amen. What did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? 
we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We are excited that Pastor Todd has released his complete set of his Vindication series, God Vindication, Jesus Vindication, and Holy Spirit Vindication. These books will help you become intimately acquainted with all members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To go even deeper in applying this to our lives, he has also released workbooks to accompany these books. We all know that hearing a message and reading a message can be very helpful, but our memories can fade with time. But if we work on practical applications of the concept found in these workbooks, we can cement these into our long-term memory banks and be ready to share them with others. The books and workbooks are available separately or as a set on Amazon.com. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.